0: Uh, We're going to have a great night tonight. How many people bought their Bibles? Yeah, you got your Bibles with you? Ready to get into the Word of God? Fantastic. I got a real simple message for you this, this evening. And Just open your Bibles. You can open it up anywhere. Anywhere is good. It is the Word of God. Amen. <laughs> but in this case, open up to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Let me know when you got it. Yes. Yes. Well, wow. Matthew chapter nine, verse thirty-five. How many people know that we're living in real interesting times right now? Yeah, uh, I, I, I believe that right now, uh, you, you know, the whole world really is being shaken. People's lives are being uh, shaken. People's lives are uh, in many places being in. And quite, a, quite a place of change. And uh, I believe that you and I the, as the church in base City right now, we're in a time in our lives, we're in a, we're in a time in uh, the, the church's history, the church's life, where I believe that we're about to go up into a greater level of influence. How many people agree with me tonight? Sort of agree with me. Yeah. How many people agree with me tonight? Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, our future is real bright. Our future is great. Now, we, uh, Pastor Mike brought out a, a scripture a little while ago, Haggai 2, about God's going to be doing a shaking, but then the, the not to fear, not to worry or anything like that, but to be strong because the, the glory is going to start to increase and be greater in the later days than it is in the former days. And so God, I believe that God is raising us up, raising up us, us up as a church, as a body of people, as a family, to uh, uh, increase our level of influence, to uh, lift our community up to a greater level. Amen. That's why the church really exists. If you're here this evening and this is your first time here, or this is about for you, I just want you to make yourself at home tonight because this is a great place to call home, and uh, we're gonna have a fantastic night tonight. And just as I was reading this, um, this is an incredible story, and I believe it's a a story. It's about a time in the the life of Christ where where Jesus upped the ante a little bit. It's like Jesus was moving along at a certain rate, certain rate of knots, but. He comes to this point, and he turns the throttle up. He turns the volume up on his ministry a little bit. He turns the volume up on his life a little bit. How many people know what I'm talking about? We come to a a place in our church's life where we're going to turn the volume up a little bit more in our church. We're going to turn the volume up of our lives a little bit more. We're going to start to increase our influence to a greater level, to a greater dimension. How many people agree with me tonight? fantastic. The Bible says here in, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, it says, Jesus went all about, went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their churches and the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing, uh, Every sickness and every disease among the people. Here we have Jesus, and he's walking through the cities. He's walking through the villages, and he's going to the churches. He's going to the churches, and he's preaching great message, and he's uh, moving in the supernatural to a, a certain dimension. Uh, he's going around. He's doing a couple of conferences over here. He's gone up to Auckland and done a conference up in Auckland. Fantastic conferences. Spirit of God moved, and people got healed, people got touched, and, and here Jesus is going, uh, doing some great things amongst the churches uh, through the land, doing some great conferences. Conferences are good, but that's not the end and all of everything that God has called us to do. So here Jesus is hes going along, he's, his ministry is rolling along, his influence is going along at a certain pace, but there comes a time where Jesus ramps it up a little bit more. And he says here, and Jesus was going to the churches. And then something had to change. Something had to change. He got, the Bible says, but when he saw the multitudes, when he saw the multitudes, at this point, his perspective, what he starts to see in his heart, what he starts to see in his eyes, starts to shift from one perspective to another perspective. It starts to shift from one level up to another level. See, for, uh, for this amount of time, we had been, been doing some great stuff in churches, and, and praise God for that. He, uh, we need to be doing some great messages and some great healings inside the church, inside, inside some conferences. But friends, just doing meetings inside churches is not going to cut it. It is not going to win the community. It is not going to turn our community upside down for you and me just to be having church meetings and conferences. That's the bottom line. See, Jesus, for him to see the multitudes, he actually had to be amongst the multitudes. So instead of just going to church, maybe, I don't know, maybe he went, started to go to the big day out. <laughs> oh, for those, maybe if you're a baby boomer here tonight, maybe he decided to go to Woodstock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, somebody knows what I'm talking about. They're drug smokers. I don't know, maybe he went to the races, maybe instead of going to church uh, three times a Sunday or, or, or going to all these conferences, maybe he started to go to the races and start to, or maybe he went to go into the, uh, the blues, brews and barbecues. Yeah. <laughs> go to have a few drinks with the boys. See, the Bible does say that he was known as a friend of sinners. A friend of sinners. How many people got some friends who were sinners tonight? <laughs> mm, you're not quite sure whether to show your hands on that one, eh? are <laughs> you? I've got some friends that are pretty well ratbags. <laughs> but it's good. God has called me to reach them. God has called me. God has put me in a position to be able to reach the lost. For you and I to be able to reach the lost, we've got to be amongst the lost at some point. God has called us as a church to be a, a gate of heaven, something that flows outwards, not inwards. Mm. How many people tonight are you are the gate of heaven? Some people. Maybe? A little bit? <laughs> of course you are. If you're here tonight and you are a born-again Christian, you are the gate of heaven into our community tonight. So the Bible says well, when he saw the multitudes, when he started to go to the big day out, when he started to get out involved into the community, when he started to go out and see some people, the Bible says that he was moved with compassion. He was moved. Notice the word move is not a, a still word. He didn't just sit still and start to contemplate what was going on inside of the world. He didn't start to talk about what was going on inside of the world. The Bible says that he was moved. There was something inside of him shifted. There was something inside of him moved. Something inside of him went to another dimension. Something inside of him actually moved. There was action inside of him. For you and I to, uh, as a church to, to influence our community, to, to grow into this greater dimension that God has for us, We've got to move. Something has to shift. Something has to shift internally. Something has to shift in the way that we do things. Something has to shift up here. Something has to shift, and something has to shift in here. Not just shift, but actually not just, have a, not just get caught up with the concept of shifting. We've actually got to move. We've actually got to make some changes in the way that we do things. If we keep on doing the same things, we'll still get, keep getting the same results. If you look, for example, at society and culture today, society and technology and science are growing exponentially for the last uh, 50-odd years. If you think of what's happened over the last 10 years, 5 years, uh, uh, culture, society is changing at a level that no one has ever dreamed of before. But if you look, for example, at the way we run church and the mentality that has been around the church For a long time. this current mentality that we have is is starting to shift, but really it's been around us for the last 100 years. But yet society's shifting. The the, the very people that we're called to shift and, and, and to engage. See, friends, if you and I want to reach our community, we've got to engage the community. We've got to get in amongst the people. We've got to become a part of the community. So the Bible says that he was moved with compassion. What was it that moved him? What was it that moved him? See, friends, this. uh, Most of the time, we live in a very, very self-centered world. If you look at the media, if you look at what comes across our screens, if you look at what comes across in in so many different ways today, what happens is we come into a self-centered lifestyle. It is all about me. It is all about me. What makes me feel good? What will make me get ahead? And it's such a deceptive thing. It's such a a deceptive attitude. Yes, you are important. But the thing is, if you want to shift, if you want to be part uh, and not just uh, agree in principle that we want to shift our community, if you want to be committed to action to shift our community, the first place that must change is in here. Stop being (laughs) self-centered. See, the thing when when Jesus saw, the, the question we must ask, what is it that Jesus saw that moved him so much? What is it that Jesus saw that moved him so much? You and I can see the same things, but see the same thing differently. The spies that went into the land, the 12 spies, they all saw the same thing, but two saw it differently. What do you see when you look at people who are out in the community whose lives are, uh, are being destroyed by alcohol, whose lives are being, de- being destroyed by death and poverty and sickness? In many places, you see people, uh, they're almost like cannibals. They they take advantage of people's weaknesses and take advantage of people's failures and prey upon them. So many uh, financial institutions today, they exploit people's weaknesses. What do you see when you see people? Do you see somebody that will just help you get ahead or try and fulfill your needs Or is your heart moved with compassion? The thing about Jesus was this. When he saw people, he saw people, he saw a human being, he saw a human soul that he was a part of creating. See, the Bible says that when when God created man, he said, let us create man in our own image. Let us. See, Jesus himself was a part of the creation of man. And see, what they did was one thing that they didn't do to anything else. The Bible says that God breathed into man, and man became a living being, a living soul. He breathed into him. He breathed his spirit into him. The thing about man is this. The thing about people, the thing about the human heart is this. Uh, It it has intrinsic value an intrinsic value. It has a value. You have a value that is not derived from what you wear or what you don't wear, what you're associated with or what you're not associated with. So you are, every person today alive on this earth, when we walk out of this door and we see our community that is hurting and dying, uh, they are people uh, who are of intrinsic value. See, this is the very, very core of where humanity lies. You and I have given, been given that choice. One of, the, uh, one of the amazing things, apart from the gift of life itself, that God has given you and I is the choice is uh, the opportunity, the gift of choice. You and I can choose where you and I will find our value. You can choose whether you find your value in what you're associated with or what you wear or what you have or what you don't have, what color you are, what color you're not, what shape you are, what shape you're not. <laughs> Or you choose to find your value in who you are as a living being created in the image of God. All mankind faces that choice, not just the Christians. Every person has that choice today. And a result of bad choices is a result of sin. We see that sin and death has entered into the world. And so where Mick, when Jesus looked at, at, when he started to go to the big day out, when he started to go to the races, when he started to go down to the pub a little bit and, and check some of the people out, something inside of him shifted. What shifted was this? He saw that this was not how it was meant to be. Maybe you're here and you're a parent today, and as you, you've got a kid and your kid grows up and starts to make some bad choices and, and starts to hang with the wrong crowd. And all of a sudden starts to find themselves in a place of trouble. If you're a parent, you cannot help but your heart have your heart moved because this was not what you dreamed, this is not the plan and the purpose that you have for your child. That is the type of moving that took place in Jesus' heart. When we look at our bay, when we look at beautiful New Zealand, when we see their levels of debt. When we see the levels of depression, the levels of suicide, the levels of drug use in our community today, you cannot help, Jesus cannot help but be moved by what he sees. Why? Because that was never how it was supposed to be. You were never supposed to be living in a place of fear. You were never supposed to be living in a place of debt. You were never supposed to be living in a place of poverty or sickness or depression or anything. That was never God's plan for your life. Never, ever. So when Jesus saw something inside of, his, something inside of him shifted, see so he was moved instead of I mean most of us, when we see poor people or see somebody that's, uh, that's hurt and broken or, or, or in a bad state, uh, most of us can't help but be tickled a little bit. But there's a difference between uh, being emotional about something and actually being shifted inside. Most of us, we think, oh, well, that's pretty bad. And then, and, and then just go and forget about it. When I was recently in Pakistan, I saw a walked amongst people whose, whose lives and, uh, had been destroyed by fire and by violence, and, and they had no clean drinking water, and some people were living in, in uh, makeshift tents and graveyards, and the only thing that they had to cook food was some thorn bushes, hmm. I was moved. Should I say, I felt things. But there was a difference between just feeling things and actually moving to make something change, to make something shift. So the Bible says that when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Friends, the love of Jesus Christ is what compels us. Friends, we were singing before, we were singing some songs about, I can't imagine a life without you. Very, very easy to get caught up in our, in our own world, in our own church life, in our own conference life, in our own issues. <laughs> People have issues. And we can get, cut, get to a point where we end up just navel-gazing at ourselves and forget that there's a bigger picture out there. Forget the good things that you have inside of your life. Forget that you've got clean water. Forget that you've got somebody that can walk, through, walk you through issues. You've got somebody that can stand with you and pray with you. Somebody that can help you and support you. You've got courses and things like that you can go to. There's so many people out there today have no idea where to turn to. How many people today in our community, how many people today, maybe it's your neighbor, tormented by demons, harassed and things like that, do not know where to turn to? Their only source is the bottle. For some, the only source is drugs. For some, their only source is, is promiscuous sex. So the Bible says that he was moved with compassion because he was sore that they were weary and that they, they were scattered. Two incredible things that trouble people still today. We're, we're, the word weary means harassed, tormented by demons. If you look, one of the main things that people be, get harassed by, I believe, today is fear and intimidation fear, and intimidation. You look at society today, everywhere, people uh, people are scared. People are scared for their finances. People are scared for their safety. People worry about this. People worry about that. People that have put their whole identity, people that have built their house upon things that shift, sandy things. When it starts to shake, start to fear and worry. Look at how many people out there today that will struggle with, maybe there's people here tonight and you struggle with fear. Maybe you're a a born-again Christian, but you get intimidated. Let me tell you today, friends, fear and intimidation is not a state of mind. (laughs) It's a spirit. People today out there, they don't know Jesus. They, they, They don't know what they're feeling. They just think it's a state of, it's not a state of mind. It's a demon spirit harassing people. Everywhere you go today, people live in fear and intimidation. The other one was scattered. How can you be in a multitude but still be scattered? (laughs) When he looked at the multitudes, he saw that they were scattered. It's one thing to be in a crowd. You can be in a crowd. You can have lots of people around you but still be very, very lonely. One of the other greatest issues we have in society today is people are lonely. People are lonely. If you look at what Jesus, what God said right at the beginning, he said these before he created Eve, he said these words it's not good for man to be alone. It's, good for, it's not good for anybody to be alone. But yet, how many times when you maybe go to the big day out or go to the races or, or go to a pub and you see lots of people around? I bet you every one of them feels lonely. Or a high percentage of them has a high degree of loneliness and isolation inside of their life. My auntie's a doctor. And uh, one of the things that she does is um, she was working in an adolescent center where they come and medicate prostitutes and things like that. And she was saying that um, a lot of the prostitutes were saying that when they get called out for jobs, a lot of their clients are are older people. And uh, all they're wanting is somebody just to come and sit with them and maybe just give them a cuddle, and that's about it. Why? Because they're lonely. Maybe you're a person here tonight... Maybe you've got lots of people around inside, but inside you're lonely. That is not ever the heart of God. Today, people in our society, one of the main issues, you can pray for the community here all you like, but unless we go out and meet them and connect with them. One of the greatest things we should be doing as connect, as connect groups is simply that connecting with people. You and I, people are made to be connected. When somebody's left alone for too long, they get themselves into trouble and end up losing their mind. Loneliness is a terrible thing. When people are scattered, people are scattered in their heart. People are scattered in their, in their life. No connection, no meaningful relationships. It's one of the biggest issues in society today. And here we are at a church. Good people, good friends. Very, very easy once you do get connected to, to start to have some friends and things like that you start to become very, very selfish and inward-looking. I made it a purpose in my heart. I'm going to start going connecting with some ratbags. <laughs> I'm going to go and start to connect and connect a lot more with, uh, with the people in the community. Hey, maybe they've got some issues to work out, but there's some good people out there. There's some apostles out there just waiting to say, hey, man, God's got a plan for your life. There's some prophets. There's some musicians. There's some... There's some business people out there waiting to say, hey, come on, be connected, be joint. Let me connect you with some people. Let you connect, connect you with a source. Let me help you find a way to find wholeness in your life. You can see something inside of your life. You were never ever meant to be like this. God's got a plan and a purpose for you to be a musician. You look at, for example, Australian Idol. You look at the old, look at the Mary boy that one from New Zealand. Australian Idol. You look at that. You look at the background they came from. He grew up in a once were warrior's home, but now all of a sudden, through Christ, through an encounter with Jesus Christ and through connecting in a church, you look at where he is now. How many young Maori people in our community today, how many young Maori uh, musicians are in there waiting for somebody just to believe in them? How many future song leaders, songwriters, in our community now, just need to be connected, just need a message of hope. Bible says, when he saw the multitudes, when he saw the potential, when he saw this was never how it was supposed to be, I'm gonna do something about it. So they were weary and scattered and like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, Surely thy laborers, the harvest is truly and plentiful. But the laborers are few. Pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Friends, 2,000 years ago he said that. 2,000 years later, the harvest is still ripe. The harvest is still ripe, my friends. The harvest is still ripe. There are people still there today. They just don't know it, but they're waiting for it to see the gospel demonstrated. They're not just interested in hearing a, a message about you should come to my church or anything like that. They need to hear, they need to see, they need to experience the gospel tangibly. And Sometimes use words. <laughs> maybe it's your friends, maybe it's your family. Friends, our harvest, our, the harvest in our community, there was a harvest waiting there to happen. The harvest is right. The harvest was always right. The question I believe is this. Are we inward-looking? Are we outward-looking? Are we in a place where we're loving our church meetings, loving our conferences, loving our good, missing. The primary call. Friend, there is no other, there is nothing more valuable in the world today than a human heart, than a human soul. There is nothing in the world more valuable today than your unsaved neighbor. There is nothing more valuable in the world today than your unsafe workmate. There is nothing in the world more valuable today than your unsaved friend at school. That is the first priority we must have in our life. Aside from loving Jesus Christ, we're going to carry his heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Today, what is the priority? What is it that's occupying your mind? What is it that's occupying your thought life? Because whatever's occupying your thought life, whatever you see inside, that's what you'll gravitate to. If If it's just yourself about your issues and your feelings and your stuff, your junks and all that sort of stuff, you will find that you will live an inward life. Yes, you've got to deal with your issues, but the thing is about the river of God is that where it moves, where it flows, where the river flows, and Ezekiel 47 says, where the river flows, where the life of God flows, that's where trees find healing. But where it doesn't flow, it's okay to stop for a little bit, but if you stop too long, you turn into a swamp. For many of us as Christians, we we come to a place where we've got to deal with our issues and we stop for a little bit to deal with that, but then we stop too long and find ourselves in a place that is very stinky and smelly. Not realizing that if we just get outward looking, you'll start to find healing. Jesus said to Peter, just after Peter had his great revelation, whoa, (laughs) what did he say to him? Ah, He called him a devil, told him to sort his attitude out. Yeah, maybe sometimes we need to start to shift the focus. And Jesus said, surely the, the harvest is truly fl- plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers. In chapter 10, verse 1, it says, when, and then he called his 12 disciples unto him. He called his disciples. He called the call of God. A lot of people talk about the call of God, and we often hear what God has called me to or What God's called you to or what God's called this to or called that to. What's God called the church to? (laughs) I don't know if anyone ever really knows. (laughs) But I can tell you this right now. The first place that God has called us to is to win the lost. He says, you just read on. It says, When he saw the multitude and he saw the state that they were in, the first place that God has called you for, is to win people, is to get into people's lives, is to transform the community. The call of God is not for yourself. The call of God is for other people. The call of God is not to make you a pop star in in the Christian circles. The call of God is not to lift you up to a place where everyone says, hey, you're the man. The call of God, God calls you, called by God. Think about what that means, called by God. God doesn't call you just to make you a pop star or just to make you famous. He calls you to lay your life down as a disciple that others may live. There is no other greater honor in the world to lay your life down that somebody else may live. The call of God is not to make you famous. The call of God is for people. The call of God is for the redemption of mankind. If God has called you as a businessman, it's not to make you rich, it's to to shift uh, uh, the spirit of poverty of people's lives. If God has called you uh, in the gifting of faith, it's not just to make you just a man of faith, but it's to put faith inside other people's hearts. If God has called you as a musician, it's not for you to be famous or just to have a fancy haircut and everybody says, hey, you're a great musician, I want to be like you. The call of God for music is, Music has an intrinsic power in it to shift atmospheres over people's lives. What has God called you to? First and foremost, he has called you to people, not to yourself. He called his disciples. Think think about this. He's called disciples. See, Jesus calls everyone, but, but not everyone responds. What is it about disciples? Why didn't he just call everybody? Say, hey, everybody, come around. Let's go and sort this issue in the community out. Why did, he just, why, did he, why did he not be inclusive and include everybody? That would have been a, that would have been a PC th- thing to do. Let's include everybody. No, he called his disciples. There was something about a disciple. Friends, people come to church often and think they're a disciple of Christ. Actually, there's a difference between coming to church and being a disciple of Christ. Being a disciple of Christ is having an attitude to, to lay your life down for a greater cause, to put your own agenda down. To allow you after to be shaped on the anvil. Allow Jesus Christ. He called, he called his disciples to him, not to anyone else. If you want to be a disciple, don't be a disciple of me. Don't be a disciple of Brian. Be a disciple of Jesus Christ. There is no other one that you want to follow but Jesus Christ. Be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The thing about being a disciple is this, and I'm just gonna wrap this up real quick. There's a whole you can do a whole seminar on discipleship, what it means to be a disciple. Let me tell you about this. The Bible says in, in Acts and Paul says in Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty four, he's talking about the type of life that lies ahead of him as a disciple. He's, he knows what lies ahead. He knows that just around the corner, there's going to be some chains. Just around the corner, there's going to be some whips. Just around the corner, there's going to be some pain and some, uh, some discomfort. But he says in, in verse chapter 20, verse 24, he says, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. None of the future pain, none of the future discomfort, even the current discomfort right now. Uh, I'm not moved by that. I'm not moved by having a headache. I'm not moved by, by somebody not being nice to me. I'm not moved by, by the pressures or the pains or the, or, the, or the pressures of the world. I'm not moved by that. Why? Because my faith is in Jesus Christ. My identity is found in Jesus Christ. I've been shaped, I've been molded to, to, uh, to lose my own life and to lose my own desires. And the, He goes on to say that the life I now live, I now live in Jesus Christ. You want to be a disciple? You want to be a disciple that that can shift the the principalities and powers of our community? Ain't no normal Christian going to do that. You need to be a churchgoer is going to do that. You need to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You need to allow to uh, bring your life and bring yourself into a place where you get spoken into, shifted and shaped and and you have your attitudes realigned and your, your thought life and your belief system all realigned till you come into a place where God can use you every day. Every day, lay down your life before God. No longer I, but Christ that lives in me. The life I now live, I now live in Jesus Christ. Wow. Court of God. Court of God. Let me ask you today, what things need to shift inside of your life? Can you just have the band up, please? Maybe you need to bring your... Walk with God up to a new level. Maybe you see and you read the papers and you see the suicides and you see all the the bad stuff and you think, oh man, that's pretty bad. We should do something about that as a church. Or does something inside of you start to shift? and something inside of you want to come up to a new level to say, "Mm, I'm going to start to engage that. I'm going to move. I'm going to shift some things in my life. Not just in here, but actually shift them. Start to shift and, Start to bring our community into a place of what God has called it to be. He says, he calls his 12 disciples to him. He says, you, follow me. You, you, yeah, you. The one with a bit of scrap in you. Yeah, yeah, you. Follow me. You, follow me. You, follow me. Lay down your life, lay down your desires, and you follow me you take up your cross and follow me and he gave his disciples his Bible says that his disciples came to Jesus got shaped by him had the attitude shaped by him it says he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cast out to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases all kinds Right now, we have a a, a disease called drugs. We have a disease called pee in our community. It's a disease that God has called his church to go and fix. There's a disease called fear. There's a disease called poverty. There's sicknesses and diseases in the community right now that God has called the church to come and fix calling disciples. Maybe that's you. Me? 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 Yeah? Yeah, yes, you. God sees something inside of your life. God sees that heart that you have for your friends. God sees the giftings that you have. Those giftings, they're for people. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved. Why don't we just close our eyes right now? Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, forgive us tonight for being wrapped up in our own little world. Forgive us tonight for being wrapped up in our own issues, and our own stuff, being small minded and small hearted